Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The race is on, and with the Grand Prix season well underway, it's not long now until you can play along yourself with the release of F1 2021, the latest edition of F1's official game. I'm Ed Straw, and joining me to reveal all about the new features that have been announced are Nathan Quinn and Val Hurunji. Hi Nathan, good to have you back. Of course, you were here for our last podcast about what we wanted to see from F1 2021 and future editions of the game, so in general, are you happy with what we now know we're going to get? It's interesting when you put it in that context, because of course, compared to all of the things we wanted in F1 games, obviously F1 2021 is disappointing in that sense, but that was a that was very much a dream scenario we were fantasizing about. Um, no, I mean, F1 2021, having played with the preview build a bit, it's definitely, and of course, having seen um, and knowing more details now about the breaking point story mode and other things, I think it's certainly, well, I think the great thing about the F1 games recently is They've all been gradual steps up and improvements on one another. 2017 was a bit better than 2016 and 2018 better than 17 and so on and so forth. And it, do- it does seem like F1 2021, no matter which way you cut it, is going to be F1 2020, but another step forward. And Breaking Point, of course, something totally new. And from what we've seen, it does look... I think I actually mentioned in the previous podcast that with regards to story modes in in games, you either do it well or don't bother. And Breaking Point, I think it does look like it's going to be done quite well. So, you know, I'm very much excited for that. And the rest of the game is, as I said, 2020, but a step forward. So, yeah, I'm I'm optimistic for F1 2021. Well, you've tantalised us with a, a bit of a mention of Breaking Point there, which we'll get onto in depth in a moment. But Val, obviously, I've just got to let you, as a Chelsea fan, just have your brief moment to enjoy the uh, the Champions League final because I don't think you're going to want to talk about anything else until you've had at least five seconds to celebrate that. Yeah, the brief moment has been going on for a good 48 hours now. It's going to continue well into the week. It's just a just wonderful, it's a wonderful feeling. Uh, what video games? Who even cares? Like, <laughs> don't even need anything else. Anyway, let's actually get on with what we're here to talk about now that Val's distraction has been taken off the table. So... Let's talk about Breaking Point, Nathan. This is the long-awaited story mode. What form exactly is this going to take? Yes, um, I may as well say for the sake of clarity that I have been lucky enough to play a preview build of F1 2021. Unfortunately, that doesn't include Breaking Point. Um, It included Grand Prix mode, time trial, driver career mode and six circuits. So I haven't been able to play Breaking Point. That said, me and Val were both um, at a preview event where we got to... Uh, see a cutscene um, from Breaking Point and know uh, quite a few more details about it. So we know Breaking Point you'll be playing because um, I think these character names have actually already been released publicly, but never really explained who they are or what you know what role they have. Aiden Jackson is the character you'll be playing as, who's a young driver starting in Formula Two. You will be starting in Formula Two and moving into Formula One, and actually. 
I think interestingly, because the game is going to start in the 2019 Formula 2 season, then you progress to the 2020 Formula 1 season, and then to the 2021 Formula 1 season. So three entire seasons worth of content. And it does mean when you move into Formula 1, um, you'll have the choice of racing for either Racing Point slash Aston Martin, of course, you know, the name change in those two years. But you can race for either Racing Point or Aston Martin. Or uh, the other four choices are Alpha Tauri, Alpha Romeo, Haas or Williams. So, but of course you have to get through Formula 2 to get to Formula 1 to when you'll be racing for one of those teams. And we know other characters, Kasper Ackerman, he's been described as a um, a more mature driver who's debating whether or not um, he still wants to be involved in, in motorsport. But also you're going to have a team boss character, Kasper's wife and child are supposedly going to be in it, Aiden's mum, your own character's mum. It does... When I was hearing all this, it does very much remind me of the journey where they're very much, it's not just the main characters that need to be there, but, you know, they're trying to give them uh, context in a, in a real world and, and family members and all the rest of it. And of course, we know Devin Butler, who is your antagonist in F1 2019's beginnings of a story. I don't really want to call that a story mode because it was, but Devin Butler, anyway, he was, he was a rival in the F1 2019 Formula 2 preview and then could go on into Formula 1. And having seen the cutscenes, and actually, of course, whilst I haven't been able to play Breaking Point in the preview, there is a um, a cutscene in the driver career mode, which I've been able to see in the preview build of the game I've got, where it's just Will Buxton walking down the pit lane previewing the new season. That cutscene is a, a significant step up on what we've seen in previous Codemasters F1 games, and the character models, um, or the human models, um, I should say. But, um, you know, so that cutscene's a significant step up, and that's one I've seen in person in the game I've had in front of me. And having seen um, a cutscene that we saw in the producer preview build, that's, you know, a significant step up, because the, the cutscenes and the character models, they've all actually been outsourced um, to another company. So Codemasters, they haven't personally chipped in with that. They've been outsourced, and... You can tell. Um, I mean, no disrespect to Codemasters, but it is, you know, this, they're really good cutscenes. And if you're going to do a story mode, you've got to do it well. And visually, at least, they've knocked it out of the park. Um, I think that's, oh, Lemp, um, Lee Maver, the F1 franchise game director, he was asked how long the story mode, the breaking point mode is going to be. He estimates about five to six hours. So not massively long. But then again, breaking point is just one mode in the game alongside I mean my team's still going to be there driver career mode still going to be there multiplayer all the rest of it so five to six hours you know personal opinion but I mean I think that's decently long you know if the story's good I mean I'd rather have a story that's you know five to six hours but really good which it sounds like this one certainly has the potential to be rather than something which is, you know, twice as long, but drags or is, you know, nowhere near as interesting. And also, actually, another thing I forgot to say, um, they've got um, specific um, broadcast commentary. So um, in the Formula 2 sections, it'll be Alex Jakes and Davide Valsecchi. They'll be doing, um, well, they've recorded specific uh, commentary lines for use in the story mode and presumably... David Croft and maybe Anthony Davidson will have done the same for the Formula One sections. And there's going to be other things outside of the racing. There's going to be a driver room where in between races you'll have 
Uh, there'll be a, a in-game social media, news feed, um, emails, phone calls. So it really does seem like they are trying to build um, quite a deep world. So it's not just you do a scenario. I guess, you know, it's not like the scenario mode that we saw in previous games, which were just out-of-context um, scenarios. And I guess in gameplay terms, it probably will be similar to that. But there's definitely multiple characters, um, beautiful cutscenes, and, you know, a real attempts to try and build a world, um, a believable world with multiple characters outside of that. So, yeah, but certainly, you know, there's been a lot of effort put into it, and I think certainly promising. I think for a for first foray, five to six hours makes makes a lot of sense to me. First of all, it's a first dip of the toe into the water, and second of all, they've described it as a as a linear story mode that's you know very, very there are very very minor player inputs in terms of what you can change. Obviously, you can change the team, but the the core story will still be the same. And I think that's that makes sense because when you try it for the first time to just fully build in a story mode into a, a full customizable career would be would be a task that's that's way too heavy but just you know why five to six hours is good is because just recalling myself playing the journey and it's three iterations on fifa and i recall that it it did tend to drag on a bit with just mundane gameplay between story cutscenes. you wanted to get to the story stuff a bit sooner because otherwise you'd just be playing career mode and i think in this case think they're going to drop you in like right in the middle of the races with some sort of scenario. I think that makes sense. It's just basically a, a cinematic experience for you. They they said the writers on it are writers from Darren Brown, which says absolutely nothing to me. Apparently it's some sort of UK thing. Apparently he's in, like an illusionist. It's either that or I, I misunderstood who they were trying to say. Maybe they're trying to say Dan Brown, but I don't think so. I think it's the... Darren Brown, the illusionist guy who apparently has writers. Uh, we don't know anything about the, the quality of the story. We don't. We can't say about the quality of the voice acting or anything because we haven't. We've only seen one small story teaser trailer that looked fun, but doesn't really tell us that much. And the, I did also like Nathan. Obviously, I saw the the chunk that they showed, which was just this F two bit commentated by Jakes and and Valsecchi, which did sort of set off a bit of an alarm in my head in that. As fun as Alex Jakes and David Valsecchi are, and they're really good commentators, but they're not actors. And you're getting them to act out lines, and it depends on how much material they have exactly. I remember if you look at some of the other games that attempted story modes, like the older NBA games, the, the basketball players in there, they invited real basketball players to do acting. It never was any good. And in FIFA also, the real players' acting was never anything special. So... I think the more they can keep it to like actors and and heavy scripting and you know TV show quality, I think that's that's what we want to see with this first attempt. At least that's what I want to see. Just to expand on, um, it, it is Darren Brown who uh, the writers of Darren Brown, the psychological illusionist, who I actually do know. Um, and to be fair, I'm not sure how well known he is outside of the UK, but yeah, Darren Brown. Uh, psychological illusion has done loads of great stuff um, loads of it's on YouTube uh, if you're curious and I guess because I was thinking about this it sounds weird to get the writers of a psychological illusionist and you know his shows are more they're like magician shows it would seem weird to get writers for his stuff to write a story for a you know a Formula One game that would seem odd but I'm I mean, personal opinion, I love his TV shows. I think that, you know, they're beautifully, you know, well-crafted bits of TV. But I was also thinking, um, 
the film Rush, directed by Ron Howard. And I remember Ron Howard saying in interviews um, at the time that he wasn't a massive expert in um, Formula One. You know, he didn't know much about the James Hunt, Nicky Lauda rivalry, but he knew enough about it to um, to be able to understand why it was a story worth telling. And, you know, I don't think it's an uncommon opinion to say that's a fantastic film. So I don't necessarily, because that may be a warning sign for some people that they got writers from Darren Brown to write the story, but I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to get writers outside the motorsport to tell a story within it. That's, you know, fresh thing, uh, fresh thinking possibly. And, you know, I don't necessarily think that's a bad idea. And that from what we've seen, you know, it looks like it's going to be a good story regardless of that. Yeah, I should say it wasn't wasn't me trying to, to denigrate the writing team in any way, shape or form. Just my own personal confusion at having never heard of Darren Brown and thinking of myself as something of a pop culture aficionado. Like I'm sure the people who wrote Driven, for instance, were professional movie script writers and, and look at how that turned out. Exactly. Greatest movie of all time. So Yeah, well I guess it will stand or fall on its narrative structure. So I guess the good thing is that it's being properly written, whatever happens, because it could be quite easy just to come up with a fairly weak story. So I guess we'll uh, we'll find out once that's out and people can play through it uh, entirely. Uh, career mode, Val, there's a number of changes there. Can you run us through those quickly, please? Yeah, first of all, there's like, well, as far as we know, at least at this point, as far as what's been mentioned, there's a, a few tweaks that I would describe as fairly minor They've done a, a change to the R&D tree, but I'm not sure how meaningful that change will be. It just it, it looks like a, mostly just a different UI. Uh, so instead of a tree, it's like cards and like submenus and stuff like that. Um, it's They've done a revised practice thing where now if you simulate practice, you can do a quick practice minigame that they've described as a time management minigame. I'm not, not sure how that'll work in terms of actual mechanics. But at least it'll stop my favorite thing about F1 2020, or at least one of my favorite things, when I skip practice and then the, the lady journalist uh, come, comes up to me after practice and was like, well, why didn't you practice at all? Like, I'm sorry, I'm not an F1 driver. I'm a, I'm a guy playing a video game. Don't chastise me for not driving practice laps. Yeah, but anyway, so that, that, should, be, that should be nice. And they've also apparently tweaked the meet the press bit a fair bit. Uh, the the headline stuff is that there's now going to be a two-player career mode, which they say has all the, it's a direct quote, has all the bells and whistles from the single player. So I assume all the mechanics have been more or less retained, maybe a bit streamlined, because you, you have to do that sort of thing in multiplayer, but probably still a, a fairly full career mode experience. There's two options there. You can do, I think they call them contracts and co-op. Co-op is you're on the same team always. Contracts is you're basically two independent Agents of Chaos moving about teams freely in in a shared game world, which to me sounds far more far more interesting as an option. If they've pulled that off, that's going to be a that's going to be a huge boon to people who want to play the game with friends. I, ca- I can't imagine a, a better way to do that. Um, and there's one tweak that's sort of uh, career mode adjacent, and my team adjacent is the with the you know they've introduced the visible driver ratings last year on various parameters and now they've added the driver focus rating and they've said that the the four visible ratings are hard-coded or at least they're 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 based they're inputted by codemasters always based on real life performances 
So that's what changes them. Whereas the focus rating is um, is depends on what happens in game, depends on in game performances, depends on meet the press, depends on stuff like that. And that's going to be like a, a multiplier modifier to how uh, an AI driver performs. I think that's a it's a really good step forward, but at the same time, it's also it's it's still not not quite as good as what what we have in other sports games. But um, it's it's an early step. I mean, obviously, in other sports games, Ed, you will know there's most sports games operate under the the guidelines of like current ability and potential ability basically so every every um parameter can change every attribute can change they go up then they go down depending on training blah, blah, blah. and here it's just the one parameter that modifies other parameters so it's a bit a bit more rigid but for a first step still pretty exciting so i, I look forward to seeing how that impacts the uh the career mode yeah and just to say um because i do have personal experience with um with some of these actually um namely quick practice which i have been able to have a go with and yeah it, it's an accurate description that it is a time management mini game basically you're well actually because practice itself has been slightly revised if you actually do practice it's because you don't have all five or six or however many practice programs uh there are you the time management fuel management ers uh, race strategy, all of that. You don't get all five. You're given a random choice of three, and then basically, so you, you have the same standard objectives you always do: save a certain amount of fuel, set lap times on a consistent basis, whatever. But you're also given secondary objectives, so you uh, stay within two meters of the racing line, or uh, set an optimized first sector or, you know, just random objectives that you're meant to do alongside your primary objective. And those secondary objectives give you what are called um, uh, development boosts, I believe. Um, and they basically, um, they're, they're, they're basically discounts for certain upgrades on the R&D tree. Uh, well, it's not a tree anymore. And I mean, it is, I should also say the R&D system is very much the same. It just They've just changed the menu layout. Um, it just looks nicer. But fundamentally, so far as I can tell, that's very much the same. But yeah, um, these uh, secondary objectives in practice unlock discounts for um, for the uh, for certain upgrades. And you can do that in practice if you actually do practice it uh, yourself. But if you do quick practice, you can also get them. So quick practice is basically... So you're given a screen and then you've got three different options of what you can do. So if you just want to get 100 resource points, you can do that. It will take, let's say, eight minutes of the session and have a 70% chance of success. Or there'll be another one where it will take, I don't know, 10 minutes, but give you 100 resource points and a discount on an upgrade. But it's got a 50% chance of success. And that's, um, I guess it's... The thing it reminded me of is the service area in rally games where at the end of a stage or a couple of stages, you've got a finite amount of time to decide which areas of your car to repair. That's what it's most comparable to, or certainly it's what it reminded me of. So yeah, um, that's basically it. It's not groundbreaking. I guess it's a middle ground for people who want to get the benefits of practice, but not actually do practice. And it's going quick practice is going to get boring long term because it's not the quickest or easiest thing to do. Um, but 
I mean, it's an interesting mode. I'm not sure really who asked for quick practice to be in the exact format it is, but yeah, I mean, certainly, um, yeah, certainly an interesting one. And also one other thing Val, you didn't touch on was, um, although I haven't actually, um, got experience of this because I don't think it's the sort of thing which would be in a driver career mode. It would only be in my team career mode where you manage your facilities, um, our department events, which I think pertain really to the facilities. And it's comparable really to the motorsport manager dilemmas for anyone who's played uh, that game on. I think certainly the PC version of the game, but I think also dilemmas were in uh, at least one of the uh, mobile motorsport manager games as well where randomly at certain points, something would happen and you're given one of two options of how to resolve it. So one might be you pay some money, but you're, uh, yeah, you pay some money and everything's okay. Or one might be you avoid paying money, but then your driver's morale goes down. Or actually probably in the F1 game, in F1 2021, it would probably be your driver's focus went down. Or, you know, it's sort of like that. Um so yeah, that, those are the department events, basically very similar to the um, to the yeah, the dilemmas in the motorsport manager games. And I think that's a fairly comprehensive list of uh, everything that's changed in career mode this year. Yep, certainly can't complain about the thoroughness there. Should we move on to replays, Nathan? Because you were quite keen on that improving in our last podcast. So how satisfied are you with? What's on offer in F1 2021? Very satisfied and also very surprised, actually, because it wasn't mentioned at all in the preview event run by Lee Maver beforehand. At no point did he say, in replays, you'll be able to have the TV tower graphic that you get on the side of real-life F1 uh, broadcasts. So, you know, where you've got the full position, it's not the same aesthetically. It's not quite the same aesthetically as it is um, in a real TV broadcast, but fundamentally you can still at the end of a, a a race you can view the replay and you can turn all this off I should say you can just have a replay with no graphics on it just the gameplay going but you can have the full uh tower graphic with all 20 drivers and their positions listed and their interval time gaps to one another or you can turn it off and just have a lap counter and a, a replay graphic or you can turn it all off and I'm slightly surprised they didn't mention this. And it's not even just that. Um, although I will say, having the TV tower graphic is fantastic. The only annoying thing is in the online portion of um, of the F1 games for, I think, the past two years, maybe even slightly longer now, actually. But certainly, if you spectate a online multiplayer race in the F1 game, you have a few different options with what you can do with the TV graphics. So you can you can turn on the tyre uh, indicator so it tells you what compound of tyres everyone's on and how many laps they've been on it. Or a pit stop counter, which, again, there isn't an option for that in offline. There's none of these options. Also, one, and I know this is an incredibly minor complaint, but in an online spectator mode, you can change between interval time gaps between uh, the drivers or a cumulative time gap so where you can just look at whoever's in 15th and see their time gap to the guy in first rather than their you know time gap to the guy in 14th and so on and so forth. And that's, you know, it's such a minor complaint, but there isn't the option in, certainly in the preview build, I should say. Maybe it will be in the final game, but there isn't the option in the offline race replays to change interval timings to cumulative timings or to have pit stop counters or tire graphics. But... 
it's still a massive step forward. It's still something I'm happy to see that they've implemented TV tower graphics um, and lap counters and all the rest of it. Also, it's not even, I mean, I'd be happy with just that, but in the replays, and this is something they should have done years ago. This is a feature that, yeah, they really should have done years ago, which is a lap skip button. So if you're someone like me who does a race and then wants to watch the replay of it, if you want to find a piece of action that happens on, say, lap 20, previously you would have to fast forward through the entire race until you got to lap 20 and then you could watch it and, you know, play it back at normal speed. But now in F1 2021, you, there's just a button and you press it and it instantly jumps forward the lap. So you can, all you have to do is, you know, press that button 20 times and you're on lap 20. It's a much quicker, easier system. And I'm sure really it will only be appreciated by uh, content creators because it, it just makes that job of, you know, finding a specific piece of action much quicker and much easier. And yeah, and again, this wasn't mentioned in the in the producer event. Maybe maybe it's quite a minor thing, but it's certainly something that uh, that delighted me. And also one final thing, and you can certainly the option is there in the preview build. Once you complete a race, the option is there to save a full race replay, not just highlights, because you can save highlights uh, certainly on the PC version of the games. You you've been able to save. Uh, the the pre-made race highlights ever since they were introduced. But certainly on the PC version of the game, you can save a full race replay. I don't know if that's going to be coming in consoles. And actually, technically, I haven't even done it myself because the problem is in the preview build, you can press save full race replay, but then there isn't the theater mode to be able to watch it back. So it's kind of a useless feature in the preview build. But... Certainly, it's something that's going to be in the final game, maybe a PC-exclusive feature, but something, again, people have been asking for. So you've got TV graphics, you've got lap skip function, and the ability to save an entire race replay. So, yeah, I'm very happy with all of those features because that's basically pretty much everything I've wanted. So, yeah, that's, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, you're sounding particularly delighted <laughs> with that. That's... Uh... That's uh, obviously something they've uh, they've been listening to. We, we we can give credit to the last podcast we did on it to that, even though I imagine it would have uh, it was happening independently of that. Val, next up, greater customization in the in-game options. How wide ranging are these changes? Yeah, that's uh, that's one that I'm I'm really keen on. Though I haven't quite seen how it how it works out in practice yet, but just just seeing it announced and seeing the the menu screens in question is basically it is a lot of what I was asking for in that very in that very preview pod we did. So basically what they're saying is you can now tinker a lot with the they're calling it expert mode or something. I think that you can tinker a lot with the with the core mechanics of the game that exist in there. You can tinker with the resource rate of your team, well, the the rate that the resource points are uh, accumulated you can tinker with that for the ai you can tinker with um how quickly you earn cash how quickly you earn acclaim points etc you can tinker with the rate of mechanical failures basically which for me always has been non-existent so i i would very much like to change that uh it's actually i'm gonna go off on a slight tangent here but during the preview and this is something we've heard from codemasters before they were like they were asked about random mechanical failures and and they reiterated that they don't think that mechanical failures in the in their game should be random and i i could not disagree more with that i think 
I think players should be given the option because ultimately, for a yes, there is always a cause to a mechanical failure in in racing, but it's it's not always connected to what the driver does. Sometimes it's just something that's happened on the mechanical side, on the on the mechanic side, on the prep side, maybe. I don't know, maybe somebody accidentally poured vodka instead of fuel or whatever. Well, you know what I mean, basically. And for a driver, it's random. It's a random event that's happened outside of their control. And I think that should be recreated because that's an indelible, indelible part of motorsport. And this is, I mean, they don't agree. So, you know, fair enough there. What can you do? But yeah, at least you can tinker with those rates. You can, thankfully, you can turn off Meet the Press, which around season nine of career mode starts to drive you absolutely up the wall. So you can turn off R&D, you can turn off facility management, you can turn off there's just basically a bunch of things you can swap in and out out of your gameplay experience, which I think for people who play that game a bunch in single player, it's very, very, very important. And um, what was it? Finally, Lee mentioned at one point, and I've not, I've not seen how exactly it will work in terms of menus or whatever but towards the very end of the presentation it was mentioned that you could uh tinker with the uh silly season aspect or the or the driver transfer market aspect basically uh dictate how how crazy it is whether it's um whether it's all relatively stable or whether drivers change teams all the time and it, it goes bonkers every single lap every single year which i think is is also very very handy because those are two very, very worthwhile ways to play that game. Otherwise, the other customization options, just to quickly touch upon those, is you can edit the message on your Halo. What it says, basically, you can place a sticker on there, uh, which probably is nice when driving. You can uh, choose victory radio messages when when you win, which I think they said was inspired by like Seb doing Grazie Ragazzi every time. Um yeah, that's about it. Basically, you know what I what I said in in the last pod. The more the more you give us control over how the game pans out, the more you give us chance to tinker, the better for me the gameplay experience becomes. That's the most important thing for me, and this feels like a, a really big step towards that. Yeah, just to chip in on the on the driver transfers front and on the silly season front, because yeah, Lee Maver was asked about that, but he his answer really because he he kind of leaned on on. The fact that you can adjust the driver acclaim rates for the AI drivers or for yourself. He leaned, it, it, it's, and to be fair, um, we don't, cause the actual logic of how driver transfers work may have been tweaked ever so slightly in, um, F1 2021. So maybe teams will take a claim more into account. So maybe if you increase the rate of which a claim is earned, you know, I. That's the thing. Is is to be fair, I don't want to go too hard on the driver transfer feature when we haven't seen it because there could be so many tiny improvements or changes that end up having quite a drastic impact. But he, certainly, his answer was uh, um, that tw- being able to tweak the acclaim earn rates would influence that, and maybe it would if a claim. Although a claim is a. It's a interesting system anyway. Because I was thinking about this yesterday because the acclaim system, I guess it, because it's kind of illogical, but yet kind of has real life precedence behind it. Where Because basically, so acclaim is, you know, a driver, the longer they're in F1, if they get race wins, podium finishes, you know, just solid results, 
their acclaim goes up, as does their salary demands. So actually, in a weird way, an AI team would be... Well, I guess it depends, because if a driver's got high acclaim and high skill ratings, you would get them. But if a driver's got high acclaim but low skill ratings, which is possible, especially when... Me as a player on F1 2020, I force I got Tatiana Calderon as my driver, and she finished third in the championship, had several podium finishes. So her acclaim went up, her salary demands, I think, like tripled. And once I dropped her from my team, no one else took her on board because why would you? She was, you know, her salary demands had increased significantly, but her skill hadn't. So, you know, I mean, I, I guess that's the thing is jury's out on the driver transfer function but certainly if a claim is taken more into the logic of what teams do and why they do it and if the acclaim system itself is tweaked it may well have um fairly significant impacts i suppose if you lower the acclaim rate drivers acclaims is going to stay at uh at their real life um or their default levels for longer which would encourage the teams to you know, do more sensible transfers. Um, but jury's out on that. But I think it is going to hinge at least at least partly on the acclaim system. Yeah, I mean, so there's a, what, there's a, a month until the game comes out. I think we'll just, we'll have to see what the, the exact wording is in the in the menu. If it's the way it is in the preview build right now, that's obviously not, not quite yet what we want. But well, what I want, anyway, I'm, I don't want to speak for everybody else, but obviously I want to be able to... The thing is, though, it's still it's still not, not where I think it should be in five or six years' times, which is where you just get to dis- control everything if you want to. You get to put Hamilton and Williams, you get to put Verstappen and Haas, and you get to enjoy that, and we're still not quite there. And in fact, the the addition of the, the driver icons in the... Um, in the legacy edition of the of the game so there's a there's a more expensive edition of the game that allows you to add seven f1 classic drivers as one of your teammates that's been discussed a fair bit as one of the selling points for the for the game we're not yet sure how they're going to be incorporated into it i think but basically what that signals to me and what i don't really don't really fancy is that that sort of takes customization a bit out of your hands and maybe takes future customization options out. Like you can't create a driver and populate him into the game world because then you just create your own Ayrton Senna, you'd create your own Michael Schumacher and you wouldn't have to buy the legacy edition of the game, which that's, but that's what I want. That's, you know, I want to create a driver called UN Owen with low current ability and super high potential ability or whatever. Um, See, I think that's all of these are baby steps towards hopefully that perfect future. But if if the for now the 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 driver market systems are still still just a, a bit too rigid and a bit too rudimentary, but hopefully we get there one day and it's not all monetized to hell, basically. Should we move on to multiplayer online? Obviously, this is crucial for for any racing game. So, what's changing there, Nathan? Not a massive amount, to be honest. I'm, I'm sure to the disappointment of of all the serious league races and and um, on yeah online races out there. Um, one thing which was mentioned quite heavily on new um, uh, lobby shortcuts. Um, so you've got um, so when you go on multiplayer, um, you'll have because you can you'll have an unranked option and 
and all the rest of it. There's going to be two new sort of preset options. So when you, if you go into a race that it will have certain default settings. So there's going to be beginner online lobbies, which um, are going to have auto reset turned on. And here's what's interesting. Collisions turned off. Now, this is weirdly, this is something you can do. And I've done in the offline portion of the game. You can turn collisions off. And that's not the same as turning damage off. Turning collisions off basically means the cars can drive through one another. So it, it's just ghost racing, in essence, which is a bizarre concept. Well, that said, um, that's literally what they've been doing in the F1 Esports Pro Exhibition recently. So it does have esports precedent, I, I guess. Um, but no, so you'll have a beginner um, multiplayer lobby sort of preset where it's going to be you know, much more for beginners. Um, so, you know, you'll be allowed to run any assist, presumably collisions will be turned off. I guess in a way it will guarantee clean racing. If you can't punt someone off and you, you know, all you can do is just drive through one another. It, it is going to guarantee clean racing, like actually uh, the non-contact races you get in GTA five online. So it's going to guarantee clean racing. And it's very much for beginners in mind. That's the beginner, uh, sort of lobby shortcut and then there'll be an experienced one which sounds to me much more like a generic um lobby where collisions will be on there'll be longer races which implies that beginners going to have really short race distances probably five laps or three laps or whatever um but yeah experienced is just going to be you know a more generic um unranked online lobby for people who are more familiar with the game who are you know able to handle having cars potentially crash into one another um, but also there's, uh, it's been mentioned there's going to be a server browser or, you know, an updated, improved server browser with additional filters. So if you want to find a race with specific settings, that should be easier to do, um, in the final game. So not really a massive overhaul in multiplayer. That said, if you want to wrap two player, which of course we've already mentioned, two player career mode into multiplayer, and I'm sure that's what lots of people have wanted from multiplayer is you know a, a properly decent in-depth two-player online career mode that's going to have people covered in in that respect um but yeah so in multiplayer you've got um yeah two different lobby settings um an updated server browser but seemingly um and of course we'll wait you know until the final uh, version of the game comes out before we can really fully pass judgment on it but it seems like multiplayer hasn't been massively overhauled and certainly the changes seem to have been made with uh, beginners, you know, newcomers to uh, to the F1 games to mind. Nathan, our final topic reflects the fact we're now living in a next-gen console world. F1 2021 will be available for both the PS5 and the Xbox Series X. So what's been done to capitalise on these powerful machines? Well, firstly, there's going to be a performance and graphics mode, which isn't unprecedented. Dirt 5 has um, similar options. And I'm no expert on the exact... Uh, on the exact differences between performance and graphics modes on Dirt 5. And actually, to be fair, it may be slightly different, the specifics of it in F1 2021. But in Dirt 5, I believe the performance mode um, has a lower resolution but can get up to 120 frames per second, whereas the graphics option runs at a higher resolution, higher fidelity, but is locked to 60 frames per second. And you're going to have that choice um, in the next-gen consoles. You'll be able to choose between higher frame rate or higher resolution um, on the next-gen versions of F1 2021. 
Uh, ray tracing has also been mentioned. Uh, for those who don't know about ray tracing, and I'm really no expert, but I believe ray tracing uh, pertains to how how light reacts to reflective surfaces. And generally, people talk about it um, to water, actually. So possibly uh, wet races will look significantly improved with how the way uh, the light reacts to puddles on the ground and, and all the rest of it. So, um, But also, they've mentioned that ray tracing is going to be um, in the showroom as well. And I think that's that's really where you'll be able to appreciate it because the showroom is a mode that's been in, uh, I think, the previous two F1 games, where it's just a mode. I, I mean, I like it because it's quite meditative. Um, you just, the cars are there and you can look at them and you've got you know, lovely sweeping panning shots, uh, relaxing music. But ray tracing is going to be in the showroom as well. So um, how the way the light, you know, reflects off the bodywork, it should make the cars look, you know, even shinier, even just more stunning in a way. Um, so yeah, ray tracing, yeah, that will be in the next gen versions. Um, and obviously you're going to get reduced load times, um, as you would expect for the next gen uh, versions. Plus also the PlayStation 5 version is going to have, um, unsurprisingly, support for the adaptive triggers, which again, for those who aren't uh, familiar, because I've I've been able to experience the adaptive triggers on uh, one well, other racing games that uh, it's been Dirt 5, but also MotoGP 21. And I have to say, on MotoGP 21, because I'm really no expert at that game, it does make it easier with the adaptive triggers because, so when you're playing the game normally, when you squeeze the right trigger for the throttle, you get, there is a natural resistance to the controller. But if you accelerate too early out of a corner, so where the back steps out, the, the resistance in that trigger completely goes away. And it makes it so much easier to um, to know when you're about to fall off or when you're on the edge of grip. And obviously, you can tell in the game anyway, you, you know, there'll be visual cues and sound cues, but it makes it so much more obvious and easier to, to react to. It's more instinctive if you can actually feel the grip fall away from you. And all it is is the resistance in the trigger going away. Um, and you don't really appreciate that in Dirt 5 because it's more of a, of a arcade game. But for F1 2021, I think for particularly for people who um, are trying to get to grips with running without ABS or traction control, I think the adaptive triggers should make it easier or certainly more obvious uh, when they're doing something wrong because you will be able to feel the grip fall away from you and react to that, uh, react to it in a much quicker way than you can with just normal, uh, you know, just normal triggers that don't have varying resistance. And as I said, it, you know, I personally found it to be quite a transformative experience on MotoGP 21 on the PS5 version of that. And, you know, and for someone who's really not good at MotoGP games, it made it uh, easier for me. So I think actually it's only going to be more immersive and with the adaptive triggers, um, you know, if you play the PS5 version of F1 2021, the adaptive triggers will certainly make it more immersive. But I, I dare say easier for people who, you know, want to get to grips with running without the assist. So, um, yeah, so that will also be, you know, one of the perks if you're if you're on PlayStation 5. I guess there's huge potential in the future the versions for the next generation console so uh, interesting to see them just starting to take advantage of that so it sounds from what you're both saying that there's there's a fairly big thumbs up for the changes that are being made obviously as you said at the start Nathan we couldn't have everything that was discussed in the last podcast but it, it, it sounds like 
there's enough in this in this version to justify regular buyers picking it up and some new features to enjoy. Definitely. I mean, I because I personally think F1 2016 was the first game or the first F1 Codemasters game that really, for me personally, you know, got things right on a on you know just it wasn't perfect, but it you know it introduced the R and D system and it you know it was it just started to get somewhere and then 2017 was a bit better 2018 better 2019 with driver transfers 2020 with um with the my team mode you know they just got better and better and better and better and you know it's never been massive improvements year on year but they've always got a bit better and 2021 i don't think you can really describe it in any other way as 2020 but better and actually if you're lucky enough to play it on on the next gen console you're going to get the benefits of playing on the next gen console the reduced loading times will be a big thing adaptive triggers if you're on the playstation 5 um higher frame rates if you've got tv that can support it and if you're on the performance mode so it's going to be like with the previous f1 games it will be the previous one but better but this one's also got the perk of of um of being available on next gen consoles and breaking points um a fairly significant change so yeah i mean i'm certainly you know, I'm looking forward to when that game comes out properly and when I can actually, you know, get to play Breaking Point. That's yeah, it's certainly going to be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I haven't obviously tried it yet, and from what I've, from my sort of experience as a as a punter watching E3s and other video game related stuff and stuff like that, you can really you can make anything look pretty good in previews and get people excited for a for a product that maybe in the end doesn't doesn't quite live up to it. I, I don't think the danger is so high there is 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 high in this in this particular circumstance because the steps are always pretty incremental and they're incremental here. I think as uh, if if you if you were really into F one twenty twenty, then this sounds like a game that will get in your way a lot less when it comes to enjoying it. So it sounds worthwhile in that regard. But as a standalone, basically gaming product, and as an as an important part of the franchise, like you could probably skip it. And the 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 question of whether you can skip it or not depends principally for me on two things. First one being whether the the breaking point story is any good and worth experiencing, and that that's one we just we absolutely cannot know right now. We do not know whether it'll be it'll be a good plot because ultimately that's just a whole different skill set compared to just making a fun racing game. Is making an engaging story. Uh, and the, the second question is, do you have a friend online who you really wanted to always play career mode with? Because if you do, then perfect, enjoy that. And these are two, yeah, they're two big additions. So I'm not, I'm not going to say they're just selling the same game over and over again. Clearly, that's not the case. They, this is a, a new enough game. But again, it, it might be skippable for some, but it, it it's certainly going to be a must-have for others. And the release date for the game is July the 16th. Am I right there? Yeah, it's July the 16th and I think 13th for the Digital Deluxe Edition or something like that. So a little bit longer to wait, but it sounds like there's plenty to look forward to. So thanks very much, Val and Nathan, for your insights. Do head to therace.com and don't forget the hyphen loads to read there about F1 and also take a look at our gaming section. Nathan does some uh, some great work there, plenty to read on, on that topic. Check out our YouTube channel as well. Just search for The Race and also our sister podcasts, including Bring Back V10s and the Race IndyCar podcast. Thanks very much for joining us. We'll be back late on Sunday with our review of the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. (laughs) 